When you have the right recon process in place, it's easy to stay ahead of the game. Put your recon on cruise control today with iRecon, the solution built directly in Viato that obliterates recon inefficiencies and accelerates your used car sales. Visit viato.com. Welcome to Daily Drive. For Monday, December 5th, 2022, I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Jake Neer, in for Kellen Walker. Today on the show, UAW members oust four incumbents and send the presidential race to a runoff. Higher prices mean auto loan delinquencies are on the rise. And a new report says Corvette will become a sub-brand with EV offerings. Plus, electric motors have been around a very long time, but their journey in EV powertrains is just beginning. We'll hear from Automotive News engineering reporter Richard Truitt. When the auto industry trains its guns on something, that item gets smaller, more efficient, less expensive to build, and this is what's happening now to the electric motor. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. UAW members have voted out at least four high-ranking leaders in the wake of the union's corruption scandal, and they've sent the race for union president to a runoff next month. That's according to unofficial results. None of the five candidates for president, including current president Ray Curry, received a majority of votes in the union's historic first direct election of officers. That's a condition of its six-year consent decree with the federal government. Curry garnered almost 38% of the vote. He will go head-to-head against Sean Fain, a 54-year-old international administrative representative, who got more than 37%. The two candidates were separated by just 614 votes out of about 105,000 cast. Secretary-Treasurer Frank Stuglin and three regional directors lost their seats based on the numbers released by the union. The court-appointed monitor's office says the number of ballots received represents only about 11% of the active and retired members who were eligible to vote. Rising car prices and the end of the pandemic-era stimulus may be causing the nation's most vulnerable borrowers to struggle with their loan payments. That's according to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. A recent CFPB report found auto loans originated in 2021 have a delinquency rating of almost 0.7% in the sixth quarter following their origination. This is 13% higher than loans originated in 2018. While nearly all groups are seeing an increase in delinquencies, consumers with subprime and deep subprime credit scores are doing the worst. Consider this example. Loans originated in 2022 by this group had a 2.4% delinquency rate after the first two quarters of their loan. According to the CFPB, that's up by a third from a previous high seen in 2020. Volvo Cars aims to boost global sales more than 70% to 1.2 million by 2025. It wants half of those models to be full electric and half of its transactions to be done online. CEO Jim Rowan said the Swedish automaker's next model, a small electric crossover that he refers to as the EX30, will be a big part of achieving the targets. Rowan is a former Dyson executive who took charge of the automaker in March. He also says it's critical for Volvo to become an expert in software and silicon. He discussed this as well as Volvo's plan to keep upgrading and selling its XC90 flagship crossover with Automotive News Europe managing editor Doug Baldock. You can find excerpts of their conversation on autonews.com. And there are reports that General Motors will introduce a Corvette sub-brand starting in 2025 with plans for an electric four-door coupe and crossover. 
Car and Driver, citing a source within GM, reports that the vehicles will expand Chevrolet's high-performance model into a family of vehicles. A source called the initial vehicle proposals copies of nothing and added that, quote, Corvette is not just a brand, it's a constantly evolving system paired with a dramatically different user experience. A Chevy spokesperson declined to comment on the report, saying the brand has nothing to confirm regarding future Corvette plans. Forecasters expect Chevy to release an electric version of the sports car in 2025, while at least one Corvette crossover could appear around the same year. They would be built at GM's Lansing Grand River Assembly in Michigan. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, these UAW election results in the upcoming presidential runoff, they feel to me kind of like a bit of a statement about how members are feeling about current leadership, especially after all the controversy and scandal in recent years. Do you agree with that? And what do you think are the likely implications for this contract year? Yeah, there's a, a clearly a lot of distrust in the rank and file. They feel like they've been abused and taken advantage of by the, the previous leadership, different people. But former colleagues in a lot of ways. So it'll be interesting to see as we head into the runoffs whether this sort of anybody but the incumbent uh, wave continues. You know, with all this new leadership, it, it could make some challenges for the union and for the automakers when it comes time for big negotiations that are just coming up in next fall. And of course, we're going to be really training our eyes on what's happening next on this. And so you can always come back here on Daily Drive for more updates or, of course, at autonews.com. Coming up, there's a lot of effort in the industry behind re-engineering a piece of equipment that's been around longer than the automobile itself, the electric motor. We'll hear more about that front page story on the new edition of Automotive News next on Daily Drive. Warning, your reconditioning process needs attention. Unexpected shortages and delays can throw off even the most routine recon work, slowing your sales and eating into your bottom line. Identify and fix reconditioning inefficiencies to turn your inventory faster with iRecon. This reconditioning solution, built directly in V-Auto, keeps you in control of your service department and puts your recon on cruise control. With real-time alerts and reports, iRecon helps you get ahead of potential issues before they become costly problems. You'll be able to track who's doing the work and how long tasks are taking, see the status of any vehicle in an instant, and make adjustments where needed. And it's all done in an easy-to-use dashboard you can customize to fit your workflow. Obliterate inefficiencies and accelerate your used car sales only with iRecon. Run your personal recon diagnostics with us today and put your process on cruise control. Slate Money is a weekly roundup of the most important stories from the world of business and finance. Hosted by Felix Salmon, Elizabeth Spires, and me, Emily Peck. Confused by crypto? Can't keep up with the metaverse? Wondering why the price of just about everything keeps rising? The Slate Money podcast is here for you. Listen to Slate Money every Saturday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Jake Neer. The electric motor is nearly 200 years old. In transportation, electric motors power everything from scooters to locomotives. But the electric motor has seen only fits and starts in the automobile over the last 120 years or so. 
That is, until now, automakers are racing to replace internal combustion engines with electric motors, and they need to find ways to make them lighter, simpler, more powerful, and more efficient. That's the subject of a front-page story on the new print edition of Automotive News. I spoke with engineering reporter Richard Truitt about it. Here's our conversation. Richard Truitt, welcome back to Daily Drive. Uh, It's great to be here. So you've got a big package starting on page one of this week's issue on EV motors. Why did you get into this? What's What's your main theme here? Well, you know, when you think about it, the electric motor, when it comes to driving the wheels of a car, is actually a fairly new development. And although the electric motor is 200 years old, (laughs) it hasn't really been used in the automobile in this way. And I know from all my years here at Automotive News that when the auto industry trains its guns on something, that that item gets smaller, more efficient, less expensive to build. And and this is what's happening now to the electric motor. The, The money that was being spent to improve internal combustion engines is now going to make electric motors and the power electronics more efficient. So what are we talking about in terms of the, the cost factors involved? What, how much is a motor and how much kind of savings can be wrung out of them? Well, you know, that's, that's kind of like um, uh, a one-size-fits-all question. There mm-hmm. isn't really a, an answer, a specific answer I can give you. But here's generally what the auto industry is shooting for. If you make the motor and the power electronics more efficient, you can shrink the size of the battery and reduce costs that way. Or you could spend that in extended range, which is a selling feature, or you can have more performance. The motor has not been optimized for the automobile yet. And that was the question that I asked about a dozen or so um, executives at automakers and suppliers. Has the motor been optimized for the automobile? And the answer is no, it has not. So, and you said they're really seeing some pretty impressive uh, progress already. Yeah, you know, If we look at improvements technology-wise in the automobile, it tends to be a 10-yard gain here, a five-yard pass completion there. If you take a look at what Lucid did, they threw a 50-yard bomb down the the field and completed the pass uh, with what they've done. They've they've got a really small motor, super powerful. It can go, I think, as far as 500 miles on a charge for the top model. So it just shows you there's a lot of potential for the motor to be improved. Well, you know, you talked about reallocating resources, you know, from the continuous improvement of internal combustion engines. You know, we're also seeing a lot of that, of course, on on battery development as well. That's such a a step change in the cost of making a car. And again, you're right, it's not one size fits all, but whether it's $10,000 or it's $15,000, $20,000, depending on the vehicle, you know, it's it's a big new target for cost savings. And and the motor is sort of maybe number two on that list of new, new costs. It is. And when you think about it, the motor, the electric motor is something that we probably use in our daily lives more than anything. Your refrigerator, your washing machine, your electric shaver, everything's got an electric motor in it. But the motor has not really been used in an automobile. And so think of it this way. There has to be cooling and heating and lubrication and all the things that the motor has to do to survive in the tough automotive environment. And so Lots of engineering and creative energies being applied to make it work better for less money. And I'm sorry to keep making the comparison to batteries, yeah. but again, it feels like something where, yeah, we've had batteries around us all the time, and we've had lithium batteries in our phones, you know, for as long as we've been carrying phones in our pockets, <laughs> or yeah. pretty close to that. But it's something where they can really, it changes the scale, the demands of the vehicle, and also the, the scale involved. The, I mean, it, you're talking about 100 million, almost 100 million vehicles a year worldwide. 
Yep, and you know, I, I was reading something. Um, uh, Ford's Jim Farley said that they wanted to bring all this stuff in house because that's where the value is created. And so, what's driving the auto industry is they need to figure out how to make money off of EVs now that they're starting to sell well. And so, when you get efficiency in the powertrain and you take the costs out of the battery, it helps make the electric car a little bit more viable. So, if Jim Farley wants to bring that work in house, I not to like name drop, but, you know, I got to interview uh, Akio Toyota earlier this year, and he kind of said the same thing, again, really more in the context of, um, of batteries, but um, in everything in the technology there, you, you want to do it yourself so that you really understand it and you can keep extracting value that you can build on into the future. So is, it, is most of this work being done in-house by automakers? Well, in reporting this story, here's what I found out. I think the luxury automakers, the Lucids, the Teslas, and Cadillac, perhaps, will probably make their own electric motors. But for mass-produced cars like Volkswagen ID.4s and, and Chevy Bolts, those might come from a supplier. And the suppliers mm. like GKN and, and Aishin and others are really working hard to make complete plug-and-play systems that you can just drop into a car. And Bosch too. Don't want to forget Bosch. They're really they're, they're really been ag- aggressive in taking weight and size out of motor and, and drive units. Yeah, we've seen. I mean, a lot of uh, suppliers really focus on this, and a lot of them were were ahead of the curve, right, in making the transition. Uh, I just wonder if they're all going to get end up, you know, feeling frustrated if the automakers take all that work back in house and leave them out. Well, I don't see that happening anytime soon, and here's why. The auto industry is invested in the internal combustion engine. When you think of all the plants and all the infrastructure to make all the, it's going to take years for them to just flip that switch and go to EVs. So I think that the suppliers will have a role to play. And it probably will all come down to cost and one other intangible. The engine has always been this sort of part of the car that gave it character and part of the car that the manufacturer usually didn't want to give up. You never found a Ford engine in a Toyota or anything like that. So if the electric motor can somehow remain under the development of the automaker and have a little bit of that automaker's DNA in it, it might not really matter where it comes from. Hmm. So what are some of the things, what are some of the levers they can pull to change the performance of, a, of an electric motor? Well, I had a really great discussion with Tim Grew of GM, who has been working on every one of their... EVs from from the EV1 up to the the Cadillac Celestic. And he told me about what they've done to get the cost out of magnets. Magnets are one of those rare earth materials that require lots of labor and mining. And, you know, it's one of those things where um, there's lots of levers that can be pulled. And and they have done a lot of work on on the magnets. And and so did uh, Lucid. And so we see a lot of work with um, reducing the size of magnets using different materials, different coatings. And the copper windings that are in the, in the motor also are very expensive. And the way that you can manipulate those windings is a lot of learning and, and trial and error going on there. Yeah, it's really interesting. You gave some exam- had some examples in the story about, you know, refinements that, again, when you don't have the automotive scale, it's probably not worth experimenting to squeeze 20% more uh, magnetic pull out of a, out of a, a piece of stuff. But if you are going to be making them in the hundreds of thousands or in the millions, it can be, make a big difference. 
Nobody buys a refrigerator based on the, the cooling capacity of the motor. They just want it to work. But a car is different, right? If, if there's an electric Camaro and an electric Challenger someday, that motor is gonna, might make the difference to somebody who wants the performance car, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Anything else we should uh, touch on before I let you go? Yeah, and there's one other thing that, that sort of crossed my mind. You know, we have, since Automotive News' founding days, we've reported on pistons and camshafts and all the things that go into a gasoline engine. And those things have made the gasoline engine way more efficient. But it's also driven up the cost. I don't mm. see that following, I don't see that track following for the electric motor. I think that as it gets more efficient, the cost will actually come down as the rare materials come out. Yeah, I mean, I guess if I think about the engine, I mean, I, I do think they probably take costs out, but, you know, through regulation, we've added greater demands on the engine. I mean, of course, they've gotten more powerful. Yep. Um, I mean, 200 horsepower when we were in high school was a big deal, and yeah. now it's, you know, that's a Camry. But when you think of turbochargers and 16 valves and nine-speed transmissions, all that's added cost. It's improved the efficiency, yes, but it's added cost. And I don't see, I think as the electric motor and battery get more efficient, the cost will come out. Richard Truitt, engineering and uh, all-around automotive science reporter for, uh, <laughs> for us here at Automotive News. Thank you for joining me on Daily Drive. That was great to be here. Thanks. You can find Richard's story on the front page of the new print edition of Automotive News or at autonews.com. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Jake Neer, in for Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News reporters Mike Martinez, Drew Goretzka, and Lindsey Van Hulley for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on engineering, UAW elections, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation with Ford CEO Jim Farley. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Oh,